Drive Time Radio with New York Vinny. And a very good Saturday morning to you. How are you today? It is Drive Time Radio. We've now joined up with the radio network. So we are on your radio, on your TV, in your social media. We're everywhere. And we are coming to you live this morning from Spokane, Washington, which is uh, a bit rainy this morning. And uh, that's okay, though. I don't hear anybody complaining about the rain out here. I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's probably needed. And, uh, you know, that's, we'll, we'll uh, operate in it and have some fun doing it. Hope you had a good week. Hope that you had a chance to uh, get out and do some stuff. Gorgeous weather this week. Absolutely gorgeous. So uh, it was, you know, a, a good week to get out. Good week to uh, go car shopping if, you, if you're car shopping. And a lot of people are this time of year. I have uh, like three friends already that I know that have bought cars in the last couple of weeks, not for themselves, but for their kids uh, that are going back to school. And, uh, you know, this is the time of year where, you know, parents, uh, according to their means, go out and either put their kid in a new car, which is something I really never advise, uh, you know, off the bat, or, uh, you know, go out and try to find a solid used car uh, for the kids to go off to school in whether they're going, you know, out to Wazoo or to uh, Western Washington or Central Washington or Eastern, you know, all of the different UW, wherever you're going. UW, maybe uh, you can get along without a car, but I think the other campuses, you kind of need a car or it's going to help you immensely. So there's a lot of shopping going on for that uh, right now. And so... It is uh, with pleasure that I bring you the news that according to our guys at CarEdge, it seems like the average price of a used car is dropping a little bit. Uh, it's, uh, it, it's not phenomenal as it was just uh, a few months ago. Uh, you're not paying so much more than the car is worth. You're just paying maybe a little bit more than the car is worth, which is always something that bears looking at if you are, um, you know, going to take a loan out on this car because the last thing you want to be is underwater on a loan on a used car. Underwater, what do I mean by that? Well, you know, the car's worked, uh, let's say, 10000 Uh The cost of the money for the car is going to make it uh, 13000 over the term that you want to take the uh the loadout for uh, somehow the car either disappears or or it gets into an accident, God forbid, or something like that. So the insurance company pays the car off, but they pay the value of the car off, not the value of the loan. So now you get a check, uh, let's say a year down the road, for a car that uh, that's book value is seven thousand dollars. And you have $9,000 left on your loan or $8,500 because you got to pay off the interest as well. So, you know, there's a lot of different factors that go into it, whether you borrow from a credit union or a bank or uh, if you finance it, uh, you know, from a relative or something like that. But there's always different factors that go into it. But be aware of this kind of stuff as you go in and spend that money. And also, I, I will implore you again, any car that you buy, get a Carfax on it and get it checked out by your own mechanic. I can't stress how important that is. Get the car checked by your own mechanic. Don't go to a mechanic that the dealer says to go to if you're buying it from a dealer. Or even, unfortunately, these days, if you, you go to a... You know, you, you go to a, uh, 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 a dealer and they have, or, or a private party, I should say, and they have a mechanic and he's willing or she's willing to say that the car is in great shape because they have a relationship. So it's, uh, it's, it's a great thing to, uh, 
to do to give yourself some peace of mind and to catch if you're getting, because, you know, a mechanic knows how to look for, has the car been in a flood? Has it been in a major accident? And I'm here to tell you that all this stuff doesn't always show up on a Carfax. Uh, I have seen cars with clean Carfaxes that have watermarks on them from where the car was in a flood. So you really, and believe me, with the amount of computer-controlled stuff in a car today, the last thing you want to do is buy a car that has been involved in a flood. And a lot of, you know, people go down south. They get they buy uh, cars from people uh, that these cars have been in a flood. Maybe they're taking an insurance settlement or something like that. And uh, then they've sold a car and they put the car in a truck, bring it up here to the Northwest, figuring that nobody's going to catch them. So it's worth investing uh, in that Carfax and a couple of hundred bucks, especially if you're buying a $10,000 car or fifteen dollars or $20,000 car. Go take that car to a mechanic. It's, it's words to the wise that uh, maybe you can avoid yourself from getting um, screwed uh, when you buy that car, you know, you're, you're trying to do all these great things for your kid to send them off to college with everything that you can possibly, uh, do for them, you know, get them a car, get them a place, kick it, you know, and you know, you, you get them a car, that's a lemon. And all of a sudden it gives you more headaches and more problems. And you're worried about your kid being out on some road on the Palouse at two o'clock in the morning, they're stuck on the side of the, you know, it's just, it's peace of mind. It's, it's great insurance for your, uh, you know, for your kid and for you, it gives you peace of mind. And, and listen, these days we all need uh, a little bit of peace of mind. Uh, we have a little bit of breaking news this morning. Uh, so if you see me looking at, I'm trying to get uh, our friend Tim Estadal on from pickup truck and SUV talk who uh, broke this news to me, at least this morning, that the uh, the Nissan Titan will be no more. And we'll find out uh, from Tim a little bit more about that news and uh, why Nissan is getting ready to drop, um, you know, a truck that I don't think has been that successful for him for the past few years. And I think the handwriting is on the wall as far as monster trucks. I just uh, I, I just don't think that uh, these huge trucks that we see, uh, I, I think their shelf life is getting more and more limited as the days roll on. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I, you know, I've been wrong before, so I won't, uh, <laughs> you know, it, there's always the possibility. But to be honest with you, I think with the advent of these um, – smaller pickup trucks that we're seeing and we are going to see a lot more i can tell you right now that everybody's going to have one uh all the manufacturers are going to offer one because of the way the success of the ford maverick so i think it's uh i think we're going to see it and we're going to see uh we're going to see more of these big gigunda trucks disappearing uh from dealer showrooms uh, again if you live in the midwest Maybe you're gonna, you know, not gonna want to give up your big truck. But if you're one of those people like me that loves a pickup truck, uh, but you live in a city or an urban area, and your pickup truck is used for much more hauling stuff around, and you know, uh, going to Home Depot on the weekend, that small pickup truck is your godsend because it's so much easier to handle in the. Um, you know, in the confines of a city block, a crowded parking lot, uh, back it into an apartment house garage. You know, do all the things that you that you find that uh, with the you know Silverado forty five hundred with the, you know the twenty seven inch wheels and everything. It's not going to fit. It's a it's a truck that is probably more the right amount of truck uh, that you need instead of overkill. Uh, again, there's a lot of personal taste that goes on there. I just like, I like a smaller pickup truck. I really liked, I mean, I had a Toyota Hilux for a bunch of years, had a Nissan 
uh, what the heck was that, a 710 or something like that? Or I forget the, the model number of the Nissan. And those were great trucks, small four-cylinder uh, banger engine, ran on, uh, I mean, you, you could put Scripto ink in the gas tank and it would fire up and run. It was pretty amazing. And, um, and it maneuvered around traffic in the city. It, uh, I didn't have four-wheel drive, but they were available with four-wheel drive. It was just a, a fun, good little truck that, you know, the, the greatest thing about it was I was the most popular guy in town for a couple of years with this truck because, you know, anytime anybody had something they had to move, guess who got the call? Yo, Vinny, you know, come help me. And I would, you know, in those days, gladly go because I loved everybody. Um, and then now when I got to move, well, some of those people still show up, but sometimes it's hard to get a hold of them. Anyway, uh, we're going to uh, uh, take a look ahead at a few things. As I said, Tim Estadol will join us in just a few minutes, around 820. We'll talk about uh, the demise of the Nissan Titan and, and where they may concentrate their pickup truck efforts. If you are one of those people that are looking to buy uh, the Ford F-150 Lightning pickup truck, uh, good news came down for you this week as Ford announced that they were expanding their plants. They were going to be able to print all the um, the editions of the Ford Lightning that is needed by the public. Great. Um, I don't, you know, again, it, the electric pickup truck, the Lightning, I liked it. It had some shortcomings around its uh, range and so on and so forth. But Ford and other manufacturers are in a mad scramble right now to get that fixed. It was um, Honda, I think, this week that announced that uh, they were entering into an agreement with several other automakers uh, to finance and uh, develop a charging network. And this is the only way they're going to be able to sell electric cars. It's going to have to be as convenient for you, not that it owns a house, but as convenient for you to go plug that car in and charge it as it is for you to go to the gas station. That's the standard. And if you can't get that, uh, I don't think that people are going to, you know, the early adopters will, the Tesla people will, uh, people like me that are hip to cars and, and know uh, a lot about electric cars and have studied them and looked at them will, you know, jump into the pool. But there's a lot of people that won't. The average person who uses their car to get back and forth to work, it's so beneficial for them, but yet they hear the horror stories about charging these cars. And you got nine different charging networks, and some of them take one credit card, some of them don't take another credit card. You got to standardize the charging network, and you have to make it easily accessible to um, people that have credit cards. It, it, it can't be every time you go, you got to slip your card, and you got to have some kind of mechanism where you have plenty of charging stations. They're all hooked up to the same payment system. And you plug it in, you charge it up, you unplug it, and you go. Just like you pull up to Love's, you stick the gas nozzle in the car, you put it in, pull it out, hang the nozzle back up, and you're gone. That's where they have to get to with electric cars. Uh, although more people are buying electric cars, according to several reports uh, from places like uh, Cox Automotive and uh, different uh, research groups that delve into this. Electric car sales are on the rise. Go try to buy a Chevy Bolt, which is America's, I think, best value for an electric car. Uh, try to buy one with Super Cruise. Try to buy one that's a little optioned out, and it's really hard to do. It's extremely uh, tough to uh, get one and extremely tough to stay in an under- $40,000 price range. Now, my friend just bought one. Uh, we had a search all over the West Coast of the United States for the car. Finally found it at a small dealership in Roseburg, Oregon, uh, and found the car for the right price, under 40 When most uh, dealers were adding on, 
you know, uh, four $5,000 for a market adjustment. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's the news on that front. A lot of people jumping up and down about a couple of things in the car world this week. Uh, I think probably the biggest story is that Toyota is reintroducing the Land Cruiser, uh, the iconic mark from Toyota that, uh, you know, has carried the British Army through the deserts. And, um, you know, uh, well, no, actually it wasn't the British Army. That was Land Rover. Uh, I guess carried the Japanese Army through the islands. But, you know, these vehicles were born of service, uh, born of military applications, uh, like the Hummer, and now uh, off-road people, uh, people who want to get far away off the beaten path, have picked up these cars and, and used them as uh, family cars to get away. And the Land Cruiser has been extremely popular by Toyota over the last several years. They discontinued it, I don't know, two, three years ago, but you knew it was coming back in some shape or form, and they... Uh, brought it back this week. I don't have a lot of details on it, uh, but I will try to get you uh, more. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, our good friend Jill Simonillo, our buddy, was at the uh, launch of uh, this vehicle. I couldn't get a hold of it this morning, uh, but we will uh, talk to her in the next week or two and get her impressions on uh, the new Toyota. Uh, the charging network was also big news in the automotive world this week. The uh, The fact that um, so many of these companies are getting together to create a network where people can charge their cars, I think is, uh, I think is fantastic. All right, we get a chance now to uh, bring in a gentleman, and I've always I've watched this show on YouTube a number of times, a lot of times actually. Uh, I, I've listened to him and seen him at events and stuff like that. Finally get a chance to have him on the show because he, to me, broke the story this morning of uh, Nissan uh, putting a kibosh on the Titan. Tim Estadol from Pickup Truck and SUV Talk uh, joins us uh, this morning. Thank you, Tim, so much for jumping on with us. How are you? Yeah, thank you, Vinny. Doing great this morning. Good, good. See, I like your set looks exactly the same as it does on YouTube, so I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, this thing was a, a, a dying truck in so many ways for Nissan, and I guess they finally pulled the plug, huh? Yeah, 2024 model year will be the last model year for the Nissan Titan. So if you're looking for the new version of that, this is it. This is your last chance. And it's going to come in just a couple varieties. Um, they have one new special edition, just a bronze edition, and that's that's it. Um, so this is the final last call. This is kind of a sad thing for Nissan in some ways because if I go back and think about pickup trucks, uh, you know, imported pickup trucks, although the Titan, I believe, is built in Tennessee, is it not? Uh, Canton, Mississippi. Uh, close, a couple, yeah. of, a couple of miles away. Um, you know, you always think about the uh, the Toyota Hilux and that first uh, Nissan that they brought over that kind of looked like a 510 in the front and a pickup truck in the back. It's almost a Nissan El Camino. Those were great little trucks. They ran on on uh, any kind of fuel you would dump in them. Uh, they were low maintenance. They were a lot of fun to drive. They baked in enough kind of, uh, you know, sports car road feel into it to make the cars, uh, the trucks interesting. And uh, it's it's a shame for, the, for them in the sense that the Titan is going away. But this was, a, a, at one time, a very successful truck, wasn't it? Uh, when it first launched, really high expectations. But the... You know, the sales results didn't match that. I tell people all the time, it kind of shocks for most truck guys to think that the Honda Ridgeline outsells the Nissan Titan, and it has for years. And that's shocking for a lot of people because full-size trucks are so popular, and to have a unibody mid-size truck outsell it is just shocking. Um, and it's just, you know, it's just been one of those things where it's highly touted. I remember standing next to Carlos Ghosn at the time in Detroit when they unveiled the truck and interviewing him and talking about where they... The heavy-duty half was going to fit. Their XD model was going to fit. They had a Cummins collaboration with it. I mean, there were, it was all brand new. They launched it, and it just it never caught on. Cummins pulled out. Uh, the Titan XD didn't make any sense without the diesel. Uh, in Canada, it was like two years ago in Canada, they killed the Titan. It wasn't available up there anymore. And so it just, it just you could just see the writing on the wall. And with all the turmoil in Nissan with executive changes mm -hmm. and what's going on, with you just the, there was no direction. 
that the direction kind of got missed and some of the executives who were in charge of the first launch left the company shortly after. It's just, it just kind of was a hanging out there and it was no home. There was no home for it. And I, you know, I've said many times it's, it's a good truck. The 2020 model year had a, some uh, updates that made it even better. Um, but Nissan's one of their challenges is they're a, they're a uh, import company and they don't have dealerships in Heartland. So like for me, I live in Western Nebraska. Neither dealer is 200 and some miles away. And, you know, if, if I'm not driving by the dealer lot and seeing the Titan every single day, eventually I'm just not going to buy it because I'm going to forget about it. And I think that was one of the big challenges. Years ago, I looked at like Dallas, Texas, which they sell tons of full-size trucks in Dallas, Texas. And there was like 20 Ford dealers and like two Nissan dealers. I mean, you know, you just didn't see the dealerships and you didn't have the support and just, and then they lost direction. There wasn't much advertising around it much. It really never had a competitive edge. It never had something that really made it stand out. Uh, against competition, and it's it's sad because, like I said, I've, I've interviewed owners of the truck, and they love the truck, and um, it just has never become the volume seller that Nissan wanted it to be. And they spent it, it's just a sad case of how much they spent versus I don't think they got the money back and all the investment they put in that truck. And it was, and as you said, and I agree with you, it was a good truck. I mean, it, you know, it it pulled a, a ton. It was a, a low maintenance kind of truck. You know, it'll few little squabbles here and there but you're going to get that with any vehicle uh that you go out and buy especially when you when you bat it around and abuse it a little bit like you usually do with a pickup truck right, right. uh you know it's a truck it's not a car so you you're going to have that but i found him to be i mean i took one on a road trip i don't know four or five years ago uh around pennsylvania new york and uh, ohio and uh and new jersey and uh i found it comfortable and uh easy uh you, you know, uh, friendly to uh, figure out quickly and use, and a lot of not a, not a lot of road noise. I mean, it was the kind of pickup truck that you you put it up there with with everybody else. I wonder sometimes is it is it just uh, Nissan or is there? I've always contended that pickup trucks, foreign pickup trucks, even though they're made in America. Pickup trucks with a foreign badge on them sometimes don't click in with the pickup truck crowd. That it that it really. I mean, I told a guy at a Toyota uh, launch once that when I see a tow truck, uh, a Toyota tow truck that'll come and get my broken down Toyota, then I'll feel like the you know the, the pickup truck uh, tow truck is a truck instead of just a kind of an overblown car. Yeah, I mean, it, we definitely have brand loyalties in the United States, and we definitely have the hometown brands of the big three, right? So uh, GM, Ford, and, well, I call them Chrysler, Dodges, but they're Stellantis yeah. nowadays, right? Um, but the, we have a lot of, of um, you know, what's it, country music songs are all about Chevy Silverados, you know, uh, Apple Pie Baseball and Chevrolet. I mean, we have a lot of, in our culture, a lot of buying those big three and supporting the UAW in Michigan, which is a huge deal. Um, you know, I grew up in Michigan and frankly, if you didn't drive a, a GM Ford or a Dodge at that time, um, you were cast away. You were the oddball. You were shunned from the community. You know, I mean, it's just that you had the hometown feel back then. And so, and people are proud of it. They have, you know, if you're a Ford guy, man, you got stuff in your garage that says Ford and light up signs and you have oh, yeah. hats and you have shirts and stuff. You're a, you're a Chevy guy. You have the same deal. You know, you have Chevy garage and Chevy, Chevy road here and built here and, and, and Nissan never got that never got that same appeal from, you know, from the overall marketplace. Yeah, it never, it never really, um, I agree. I mean, you just, it, it's almost like a baseball team. You know, you grow up rooting for for a baseball team, usually mm -hmm. the same one your father took you to the first game of, or the, um, you know, or a football team or something like that. It's much the same with trucks. Your loyalty tends to be where your father or your mother uh, you know, what they drove, you kind of stick with, I'm a Chevy guy, uh, you know, as I have always bought and, and had Chevy pickup trucks and it, it would be hard pressed to get me out of a Chevy, uh, and into a Ford or a Ram, even though there's been a lot of years where the Ford and a Ram is a better truck, uh, you know, uh, value wise and durability wise. Uh, you know, I know, you know, some of the guys that design the Ram truck. Yeah, Nick Kappa slide me under and show me his suspension and everything from Chrysler. And yet, when it came down to brass tacks, my, you know, my mind always wandered over to the Silverado or the Custom Deluxe or, you know, uh, giving away my age here with the Custom Deluxe. Uh, that's a long time ago. But yeah, the, the brand loyalties, and I think it's really hard. Uh, you know, the only way a Toyota or a Nissan 
beat that or a Honda is by putting out a truck like the Tacoma that is so, I don't know, I want to say so far and away above what anybody else offers for off-roading or, or something like that, that it's almost, you almost have to go buy it. It's almost the, the best value value proposition you're going to find out there. Yeah, interesting to bring up mid-sized trucks. So like the Nissan Frontier has been a, a very solid vehicle for them. The sales have always been really solid. Even the prior generation before they updated it was a very solid sales because it was reliable, it was cheap, and it came in just a certain configurations. And that customer, you know, for a mid-sized truck customer, they want something that fits in a garage, they want something that has a lower price point, and they want something that just has just the options they need. They don't want to go right. over, overblown so much. So that's why you don't see like a GMC Canyon Denali Ultimate for like $80,000, right? It just, it doesn't make sense. But in that, in that marketplace, um, it makes a lot of sense. Nissan Frontier has been their better truck. And so I think getting rid of the, the Titan will increase the amount of capacity they have to build more frontiers at the, the Canton plant. And maybe they can, you know, maybe they can focus more on the Nissan Frontier as well. And that can be right. their leader. I mean, t- Toyota d- builds the, the Tundra and Tacoma, and but they still, the Tacoma has far and away the better name recognition to customers. And it's it's the big, the bigger volume seller, right? So I think I think the foreign brands have come in and they've won in the mid-size truck market. And, and they've won for a couple of reasons, right? So Ford killed the Ranger for a couple of years. That destroyed sales. Chevy Colorado died for a year. James Canyon died for a year. And Ram got rid of the Dakota or Dodge Dakota years and years ago and haven't brought anything back. So it's a great fit for them because they can compete in the marketplace because they have brand recognition. People think about the Frontier. And if you go up to a guy and say, hey, what's your favorite Nissan truck? They're going to say Frontier. And they won't even think about Titan because, again, mm-hmm. it doesn't have the same kind of, of, of appeal there. And you're right. I mean, the midsize market now is moving a lot more towards off-road. It's very off-road focused. Because those trucks fit better down trails, they fit better off roading. You can, you're not, it's not, not such a long wheelbase. It's easier to drive off road. And I think, I think Nissan's probably doing a smart thing here. You know, I mean, they had so many different models, and it just wasn't selling. So you get rid of your dogs, right? Nissan Titan right. is a dog for them, and you focus on your winners. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with, like, say, the Armada, which is their full size HV, which is built on the same platform as the Nissan Titan. I wonder if that sticks around. And then Nissan announced they're going to build two EV. SUVs in that plant that will, that will replace the, the Titan. That's their plan. Um, that's going to be interesting. Um, EV sales, uh, I was listening to you earlier. It depends who you look at and wh- who you talk to. I mean, EV sales are either up or they're sort of up or they're stalling or, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just a very controversial topic. Yeah, it is. And I'm a firm believer that, and I do believe in EVs and I believe in them in a lot of different applications. Um, but the one thing about, you know, car nuts, people that love cars like us, we're going to go to the charging station, you know, that's uh, five miles out of the way or whatever. But the average person that's used to just going to the gas station and filling it up, you know, they're not, they're not going to play that. They're, they're going to say, you know what, if, I, if it's inconvenient for me to charge this vehicle up, I don't want any part of it. So right. it's good news to see these companies kind of realizing that and getting together. I don't know what they were waiting for. Uh, you know, Tesla really beat him to the punch on this because this is, you know, he was smart enough, and I'm, I'm no big Tesla fan, but he was smart enough to know that, that to sell these cars, you got to get people a place to be able to plug them in and to, to get going. And he was able to do that. Now I think his chargers, uh, the Tesla chargers in that configuration, will wind up becoming a standard for the industry. Uh, he'll, uh, he'll have won. Uh, <laughs> uh, and he, he's coming out with a pickup truck. Will we'll, Tim and Tim Estendorf from Pickup Truck and SUV Talk is with us here on Drive Time Radio on 1150 KKNW. Will Nissan concentrate their um, money or whatever, you know, their development, I guess, uh, and get involved in the smaller pickup truck market again. We see, you know, uh, mock-ups of Subarus that are going to get involved again. Uh, you know, we see a Toyota, uh, you know, depending on what you believe on YouTube and everything. But you're certainly seeing a movement to the smaller, almost, I call them urban pickup trucks. Uh, will Nissan get involved in that as a player? Or is it uh, is it too much for them uh, right now with the way the company is still kind of in upheaval i think you said it i think the company is just up upheaval i don't think there's a clear direction when i look at nissan i don't know if there's a clear direction which way they're going it seems like they change it all the time but nissan's got history in a, in a compact truck 
Remember the 1990s at Nissan Hardbody? It right. was a very low compact truck. We actually had one at our farm for years. Little five-speed manual, a little like 2.7 liter, whatever engine, a little small engine. A good fuel economy. You could, you, you and I could stand there next to the bed and reach right in the bed and get anything we need. And it was, it was so much lower to the ground. Um, they have a heritage of that in their company. And if you, they have a, a, a museum that I went to, and they have, they have the older Nissan trucks they've had over there, and the Nissan hard bodies and things. I, I think it's very smart to get in that marketplace. Um, you looked at the success of the Ford Maverick and the Hyundai Santa Cruz, or yeah, let me show you Santa Cruz, Santa Fe, Santa Cruz, and Santa Fe. We just had video. I'm editing today, but uh, you know th- those compact trucks make a lot of sense because um, when I it was I don't know how much time you have, but I get a little side story. When I was in uh, sure. um, Nashville for the Ford Maverick launch, I, I was sitting there at the bar and having a drink, whatever. And, and two engineers walked over and they said, "Hey, we were told to come talk to you." And I was like, "Wait, me? What?" And so they're Ford Maverick chief engineers, and we were talking about the the Maverick. And I said, "This is a great uh, city truck. Um, it's a great side by side competitor." And he says. And it's funny because the next morning he comes up and he's like, well, he goes, I spent my entire morning searching what a side-by-side was. And I'm like, well, you know, a side-by-side, if your audience says no, in, in farm country, a side-by-side is basically a two-seater with a, a kind of a bed. Uh, uh, Yamaha makes them, um, uh, blanking on their names that make them, but they're a little farmer truck. You know, they haul yeah. about a, a thousand pounds of payload, which is enough for cattle feed or bale of wire or whatever. And you drive around the farm, big knobby tires. But it, the pricing these days has gotten to be, Twenty to thirty thousand dollars for these side by sides, and now you can go get a Ford Maverick that does about the same job and gets better fuel economy and has air conditioning and heat, right? So a side by side is basically a, a four wheeler that's got the cab on top of it, right? So you can add doors and add heat and air conditioning, but you know you're adding more to your price. And I think in farm country, I think in from fleet standpoint, right? So like an AutoZone, a Napa Auto Parts, something you can put. It's a great parts truck. It's a great city truck for a lot of cities that you know. There's a lot of cities that actually I didn't know this, but um, a lot of city employees have little small trucks to take toilet paper to the courthouse or toilet paper to the library or, yeah. or go fix the flower bed. I mean, there's a lot of need for that. And having a price point in a $20,000 range makes it, makes it cheaper for cities, cheaper for companies to, to purchase them. And so if you look at that, the marketplace and the, the Maverick is selling well. Uh, like you said earlier, Ford, Ford's like, we're trying to build all of them. <laughs> you yeah. know, they just can't even build enough of them. And so it makes people question, like, why isn't more competitors in the space? And, you, you know, a, a mid-sized truck today was the same size as a full-size truck in, like, 1980, right? Right. So, you know, trucks have grown and grown and grown because we have this race towards more capacity. I'm going to tow more. If I have to tow more, I have a bigger grill because I have the more cooling in the truck. If I have a bigger grill, I got to make the head, I got to make the cab taller because it looks weird. Make the cab taller and the hood taller. Well, I got to make the bed taller, too, because I can't have this weird-looking truck with all these different proportions. So they've just naturally gotten taller. But the customer's needs, which is interesting haven't really increased as my fast as the trucks have grown. And so, you know, if my need is still to drive around town and, and run to Menards occasionally or Home Depot occasionally or just get fill dirt here and there or, or whatever, I mean, I, I, the Ford Maverick still works for that. And right. you know, again, in, in this marketplace where pricing has gotten pretty insane, having that inexpensive truck come in would make sense. And Nissan could be an amazing player in that because, again, they have heritage in that. They have vehicles that could do really well with that. They could take, they could take the Rogue their SUV, chop off the rear and put a bed in there and be done, which is what you're referring to as well with Toyota. Toyota's talking about taking the Corolla Cross, making that a little pickup out of it. It's simple. I mean, for 14 years now, I've been talking about, you know, Toyota building. Back then, we're talking about doing a Scion. Remember Scion brand? Yeah, yeah. And XB and did a little back bed to it. And people like you in the cities or people like in the country just need a little or in fleets would buy that thing like crazy because there's no better vehicle um, in my opinion, and I am totally biased, but another bit better vehicle for utility than a truck, right? So if you want right. to, you want to haul stuff, or you want to drive around town, tow stuff, you want to take your bikes in the back, you want to put flower bed in the back, flowers, whatever. The truck's perfect, right? And if you can, you can haul people now. You can haul family. They have luxury interiors now. It's a very well-rounded vehicle. Yes, it's not going to go uh, zero to sixty in four seconds. It's not going to drive an A autobahn, right? But I mean, if you're going to buy one vehicle and you had the, and you could only afford one vehicle. You know, a truck can fit. It's a it's a it's a Swiss Army of a, a toolbox of a truck, right? So it can fit all these different needs. And then if you tell somebody, hey, you know, we can get something smaller if it's your needs, it really blows up. Ford was talking about how the Maverick, the biggest customer base is is women. Like they were shocked that thirty to so it was like the twenty five to forty five year old woman are buying Ford Mavericks like crazy because 
they want to haul dirt. They want to haul flower stuff. They right. want to take kids to soccer games. They want to do those things, but they don't want to have an SUV where the, the back end is full of dirt and debris, whatever. They just want a truck bed that hose out and you're done. Right. And, and also, uh, you know, more people, uh, garage sales and thrifting and all that kind of stuff, which is, you know, a lot of times women, you know, those, uh, you, know, you know, and plus you still with the Maverick have the advantage of having the four doors, having the back seat. So if you're tugging the kids along and if you need to SUV it out, you can always get a cap for it and put yeah. it on the back and you're, you know, and you're, and, and you're, you're good to go. So yeah. and, and that, that's a whole that's a whole marketplace that Nissan could really tap into, and you know, and I think they just have to you know swallow their pride a little bit and say, okay, the Titan didn't work. That segment is too competitive. Fine, you know, Nissan needs to find those segments that they can compete in better, which is the same with Toyota and other manufacturers. They got to find the segments they can compete in and really excel. And you know, it's interesting to see. Toyota and Nissan are pretty linked just because of you know the way the companies yeah. are run. They, they because kind of Right. So Toyota and Honda and Nissan are probably just the three linked together. And it's interesting to see how they compete in the marketplace. You know, Honda had a big ridgeline that used to be massive. And they said, nope, sh- got rid of that. And they made a little smaller ridgeline, right? And so then you have Nissan getting rid of the Titan. Okay, go, maybe they can finally go a little smaller and have more capacity to build that. I'm, you know, I'm, I think EVs, like you said, have, have their role. I'm just a little skeptical of Nissan leaving the truck market, which is one of the more profitable markets in the in automotive segment. Right. Leaving that completely, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, they, nobody's know, making. Like, every, the trucks are actually paying for, for the most part, the EV development because the profits on the trucks are so great that uh, you know all of these different companies are are developing EVs off of what they're get you know what they're taking in on trucks. For, not completely, but it's a big chunk of what's uh, of what's coming into them. Tim, it's it's great to have you on this show, man. I really appreciate that you tweet uh, that you didn't uh, put it on LinkedIn this morning. Uh, I I missed the item, so it was good to actually have you on to talk about it. And I uh, hope we get you back as a guest again soon. Yeah, this is awesome. Anytime you need me, reach out. Thanks, man. And w- again, where can people find your website and your YouTube channel? I made it as simple as I could. Pickup truck talk, three words. Type it in, you'll find it. You know, it's funny. Every time I talk to you, well, well, it's the first time I've talked to you. I talk to you all about it. I get it out. When I talk to Jill, because she comes on the show frequently, I can never get it right. So I I don't know. Maybe I'm (laughs) starry-eyed when I see her. (laughs) Right, right. All right, my friend. Thank you very much for joining us. I appreciate it. Yep, thanks for having me on. Have a good one. Take care. Tim Estadol from uh, Pickup Truck and SUV Talk. All right, let's uh, continue on here on the show. We won't even take a break. We'll just keep going because there's a lot to get to. And uh, that was kind of an unexpected little treat that we had to give you the breaking news from uh, Nissan. I know that uh, Nathan is somewhere in the background. And I know that uh, Nathan is uh, itching to jump on. Hello, Nathan. How are you? Good morning, Vinny. Doing well. A little bit surprised to see uh, overcast and little chance of rain today on a seafarer Saturday. Yeah, it's raining here too you know, in Spokane. It's, it's it's not pouring, but it's rained overnight. It felt like it was going to rain. You knew it was going to rain last night. And uh, again, mm-hmm. and yeah, with Seafair Saturday going on and uh, the Seafair weekend, Although I've been in a few where it's rained and it doesn't stop the hearty parties. Oh no, uh, no. On the shore of the lake. No, all no, it does is change the way the Blue Angels perform. If you like the all the loops, then you go on a sunny day where they do the high ceiling show, or if you like them to, to do kind of closer to the ground stuff, you go when it's cloudy or rainy and then they'll do the low ceiling show. Yeah, that's gotta be that that's you know, I'm glad that, that that tradition in Seattle hasn't died. I love it. Um, you know, Seafair should be around in some shape, manner, or form. And I love the hydro races. I know it's not the only Bernie Little and Chip Hanauer days, uh, or the days of tying the wooden hydroplane to the back of your bicycle and all that kind of stuff. But it's still a great sport. I still get a lot. It's still pretty thrilling to watch those hydros, you know, get into that turn by the bridge and come around. You're wondering if somebody's going to flip it or what. It's a, it's very it's a it's a very good event for uh, Seattle. It's a, it's a unique event. Not a lot of places do it anymore. So I'm glad that they're uh, they're keeping it alive and keeping it going. Uh, is there a question you wanted to ask me by any chance? Yes, Nathan? there is, Vinny. We're gonna do the recorded one today, if it plays. Well, <laughs> yo, Vinny, what are you driving this week? 
Oh, Nathan, we are a literal comedy of errors. Maybe that was uh, just a sign where, yeah, I got to just stick to doing it live. Uh, well, you know, I think, uh, you know, we took a poll among our uh, our listeners, and, and, and many of them said that they like to hear the soothing, dulcet tones of Nathan, um, you know, putting his all into it live as opposed to something recorded <laughs> three years ago when they didn't even know me that well. So well, we'll keep it uh, going live. All right, man. All right. What am I driving this week? Uh, the Toyota Prius is what I'm driving this week. A, um, you know, Toyota completely redesigned the Prius and they have made it an incredible car. I'm driving the, not the uh, Prius Prime, which is a plug-in hybrid. I'm just driving a regular Prius and I got nothing to good to, nothing but good to say about this car. It really is, uh, you know, when I remember the first Prius that I drove, I was it 2001. And, um, you know, that was like, you know, it was like, what the heck is this all about? And now to see where they've developed you to this point where it's a sleek, uh, good, well-driving, well-handling uh, uh, vehicle that is, uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, as good as you'll get in a small SUV for all intents and purposes. If you if you get the prime version, you, you can get uh, I think it's uh, sixty miles of electric, which covers you around town. Uh, and then there's also the gas that's there that says uh, if you don't get to a uh, a charging station, we got you covered. So you got a little eight gallon, ten gallon gas tank. You have uh, a, a gasoline motor in there that will keep you happy in case you have to go on a long trip, and you have that confidence. And that's great. Uh, the design of the car is is beautiful. I think it's a, a, a striking car, no matter if it was electric or gas or whatever. Very aerodynamically designed. Uh, it looks just sharp. So, uh, and I've taken it on a road trip. As I said, I took it out here to Spokane, to Coeur d'Alene. Be driving it back. Uh, more of a country route will go back uh, along Route 2. Uh, but I'm thoroughly impressed with the Prius. Uh, I think they've done a great job with this car. I can't wait to drive to Prime to uh, look at the plug-in hybrid version of this thing. But, uh, you know, for... I don't know. I think it's about uh, 40. I don't have the sticker in front of me, but I think around 42,000 bucks. I think it's, uh, it's, it's a great uh, way to dip your toes into the electric vehicle market. Still have the confidence that you can get home if you run out of juice. And uh, it, it gives you a, a snappy looking car. It's as good as anything uh, that anybody's driving up in a Ferrari or anything else. It looks just as sharp as those cars. All right, that is this week's Yo, Vinny. What are you driving this week? What do you say we jump quickly into our Saturday morning cartoon? Uh, you know John Hyatt. If you don't, check him out. He's one of our great American singer-songwriters, uh, a guy that I've enjoyed his career for so many years and just think that he is um, one of our national treasures. Uh, his writing his playing, his bands, his uh, onstage personality is just, he's the, he's the kind of person that you just, uh, you, you, you want to listen to what he has to sing about. And uh, John gets into a cartoon or two, especially this one about when things don't go right, Pally, get in that car and drive south. There you go, John Hyatt. With Drive South, uh, someone that analogizes um, feeling better about your love life by getting in the car and heading south. Now, many people did that back east by going west and getting out to uh, California and Nevada and places like that. But, uh, you know, if you're in middle America, maybe you drive south with the, uh, you know, where, uh, I don't know, maybe Florida. I, I don't know. I'm not big. South guy, but uh, I, I would always go with drive west. But John and I can talk about that the next time we have lunch together. It's Drive Time Radio. It is uh, New York Vinny hanging out with you on a Saturday morning. We got our Drive Time Radio road test coming up in just a couple of minutes as we uh, take on the uh, the Hyundai Santa Fe uh, this morning. We'll have some wise words for you on that particular vehicle. Um, quick update on the Seattle City Council. 
Uh, we talked about it at length last week about street racing, and uh, that ordinance did pass. They're going to be putting up cameras in uh, those 10 spots uh, that we told you about last week. They got to do something to curb street racing. I suspect that it's not going to curb street racing. It's just going to move it from one place to another until every municipality puts up cameras in the most likely street racing spots. Um, I have not been in contact with any city council members uh, this week to try to get an idea what the temperature is for possibly doing something to uh, given these kids a place to go and do this off-road away from a residential area, a place where uh, these kids could let off some steam. And it, it is a sport, and we put, you know, baseball diamonds up, and we put all sorts of different football, uh, uh, you know, stadiums and so on and so forth. Maybe it's time that the city took a look at that. It's been done before. It's been done in Southern California. It's been done in Nevada. It's been done in a lot of different places where, uh, you know, the police get involved and they say, well, listen, we'll do this. We'll control it. We'll get it sponsored and we'll insure it. And, you know, maybe we can save a few lives here. Maybe we can save some of those horrific accidents that we tend to see uh, resulting from street racing. Because, again, to kind of think that you're going to stop it, it's not going to stop. It's just going to move from one place to another. You just you know, Seattle is going to dump their problems on White Center. White Center is going to dump their problems on Tukwila. Tukwila is going to dump their problems on Kent. Uh, you know, the problem's not going to go away. They're just going to move around. So I, I think you have to come up with a better solution than just red light cameras. And I'm one of those people who think that if uh, a bunch of people put their heads together, uh, that they'd be able to come up with uh, a win-win situation for everybody, keeping these cars off the street uh, and keeping them, you know, onto, uh, onto a place where if, uh, God forbid, an accident does happen, it causes the least amount of damage. You know, it's an idea. I don't hear anybody else coming up with anything, so I'll go with, uh, with uh, what I'm doing at the moment and what I'm, you know, trying to work out. I'm a solutions guy. I like to see solutions uh, in these uh, in these problems because it is a problem and it's been something that's been around for years. You're not going to, you're not going to stop kids from doing it. It's, it's just plain and simple. Kids are going to be kids. They're going to do it. So maybe, uh, maybe uh, some people will get the idea of, uh, that we can make this work. If we can come up with millions of dollars to uh, move Washington out of the Pac-10, I think we can come up with a, a few bucks to uh, slap a, some kind of a competitive race track up somewhere so that people can, uh, or at least sponsor it, so that people uh, can go down there and, and enjoy it. All right, uh, that is, that's my soapbox. For this week, I won't. I, I got two for the price of one in that soapbox, didn't I? I, I got a little dig in at the Pac-10 too. Oh, if you're a sports fan, what a mess that is! I, I feel, you know. Listen, no more out. Did, did you ever imagine a time in your life where there wouldn't be an Apple Cup? I mean, from a pure automotive standpoint, uh, the drive out to Pullman, uh, the drive out to. Uh, see the Apple Cup in Pullman and to uh, go out to that beautiful little berg in the rolling hills of the Palouse was half of the, uh, you know, half of the um, the excitement of it right there is you'd pull into the Indian John rest stop or the uh, saw, or Sawgrass Hill and you'd see people with the cougar flags and the husky flags and you know, they'd be actually talking to each other in the rest of it. I always thought it was one of the greatest things I'd ever seen in college sports. And now they're going to take that away. Why? Because of money. No other reason. No other reason but money. And maybe somebody has to start looking at these universities and saying, wait a minute. Uh, you know, all of this money is coming into uh, Washington, but yet it costs more to go to school than ever before. It costs more to... 
you know, take the class there. It costs more to get a ticket to a football game. It costs more, more, more. It seems like there's never enough money uh, to make the program uh, pay off for the school. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm delving into sports here, which is my, my usual forte, and I probably shouldn't uh, because, you know, that's, uh, but sometimes things have to be said. All right, we're going to give you a quick uh, road test here. The Drive Time Radio Road Test. Every week, Vinny puts another car through its paces and lets you know the good, the bad, and the ugly. And last week, I drove to Hyundai Santa Fe, which is Hyundai's uh, uh, bigger, uh, well, it's not anymore, really. The Palisade is now the, the, the biggest one. Uh, but for was for many years, was the staple of the Hyundai Santa Fe fleet. And it is, uh, I drove, you know, the premium uh, plug-in hybrid, and it does everything that you want it to do. Uh, it's roomy inside. It has uh, three rows. It is... Um, it's spacious. You have enough room for cargo. You have enough room for uh, the kids. You have uh, everything at your fingertips in a massive center console with a push-button transmission. It really um, fulfills all of your needs. It really is uh, a great SUV. There's, there's nothing to find wrong with this SUV except for one thing. One thing only. They're coming out with a new one next year, a 2024, that is completely and radically redesigned. Go on the interweb and, uh, and search out, check out some of the pictures of the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. It'll, it'll knock you out of your socks. So while this year's model is great and dealers will have a ton of them on their lots, and if you need one right away, Go, you know, go get one because it's at the top of the class. But if you can wait, you go look at a picture of that SUV, that Santa Fe, and you tell me you can resist that thing. It looks like a Land Rover. It is just a, 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 a strikingly beautiful vehicle uh, that the Hyundai engineers have come up with, the 2024 edition of the Santa Fe. All right, that's going to put another one in the books for us. Thank you so much. For listening to our little radio program, thanks to uh, Tim Estadol and to George Jackson and everybody else that puts this show together, especially Nathan. We'll catch up with you next Saturday morning if the Lord's willing and the creek don't rise right here on 1150 KKNW.